It is indeed a great honor to see my friend Tyrone, as well Garrison, here. Didn't know that he was, I didn't know anybody was actually going to be here. <laughs> but Tyrone, it's good to see you. Tyrone and I, Tyrone and, I <coughs> and Obadiah Smith, thank you, go way back to the youth convention where um, he was the president. Tyrone was, or Obadiah was the business manager. And I was asked to volunteer as a treasurer, supposed to be a, just a short-term thing until they found someone. But we served together at the youth convention <coughs> when they had no money, <laughs> some issues that come, and God, we saw God work some incredible miracles. Late night, how is this going to be paid? And the Lord came through in a mighty way, in incredible ways incredible ways. So, Brother Tyrone, it is good to see you. Everyone, saw my sister just come in, Frida. Good to see you. Everyone that's here, I want to thank you. Many of you kn have known me uh, that, that's here uh, all of your life. <laughs> Most of mine. <laughs> Brother Miles was my Sunday school teacher. Mary, Sister Mary Boyd was my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> we used to sit right up here for Sunday school. We sat in the back for Sunday school. It was kind of interesting because the adults were on this side. The youth was on it, were on this side. <laughs> some were in the back and some were downstairs. And uh, it just made it work. Sometimes there's three classes going on in the sanctuary at the same time. And uh, it is indeed a tremendous privilege. I ran from the ministry years ago when my dad had asked about what the Lord was doing. I had made some mention about what the Lord was doing. I, I didn't, mm -mm, no, no. I got other things I'm going to be doing now. <laughs> ministry was not one of those things. I recall a time I, when he called a meeting in his office. It must have been about 12 or 13 people back there. It seemed like, like that many. Retha, Mary, and others. And I just decided to kind of just slide in and just hang by the door. I don't know if Sister Mary remembered that or not. I didn't say anything. I just wanted to know what they were saying. When I got home, my dad had said, I saw you come in and stand at the back <laughs> of the door. He said, what did that mean? I said, oh, it didn't mean anything. I just wanted, just came in just to stand around and see what they were saying. <laughs> But after I stopped running, I recognized that God had called me. Um, Pastor Reed, one year, was sitting on the front row. And he whispered to my dad, you know that's going to be one of your next leaders or your next leader. I was told that some time ago. I've never not that I recall, sought leadership positions. In my job, the Lord's blessed. Sister Carol, on this past Wednesday when we were having Bible study, um, reminded the group or told the group, some that had not heard it before, that when Sister Shirley Foster was, was here, there was a prophecy given that I would speak to people in high places. And I remember standing right there 
fact, we had these lights on. I think the choir lights, those lights were out. But I remember Sister Shirley Foss, who's gone on to be with the Lord. But you never know what God is doing. And sometimes 20, 25 years down the road, you can see something take place. I owe my life to the saints that helped me and kept me and spanked me at times when I needed, disciplined me. You know, back in the day, you could be spanked by any parent. You, 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 you were out of line. Then he was liable to get you. <laughs> Brother Hunter, you said the wrong thing. Brother Miles might say something to you. You didn't, any parent, any saint could discipline children. It's not so today. It's a problem today. And today I am seeing a generation and generations out of control. And when I look back and say, I'm not that old, and I recall how rapidly things have declined in regards to respect. And I am fully aware that when a nation forgets God, that nation will be turned into hell. The book of Psalms says, when a nation forgets God, that nation will be turned into hell. And we're seeing it played out right before our eyes today. In your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. We have been doing a series in Acts. And we've been dealing with this passage, probably the last four, four weeks, not this passage, but chapter 4, about the last three, about four weeks. And today we're going to look at verses 23 through 31. I'm going to ask you to stand. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. One, I'll be reading it from the New International Version. And it reads, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius, Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Je servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, bless your word today. Anoint and, hear and give ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
I know that Reverend Steve and his wife, even my sister-in-law, will be going up to Diamond Arrow today to the funeral of Orville's wife. He passed, and so I know that you have a very long day and a very long drive. The title that I've given this message is The Prayer for Boldness. The Prayer for Boldness. As we have been looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the start of the church, we have noted that all of the disciples that were at the crucifixion of Jesus, of all the disciples, the only one there was John. In fact, Jesus directed one of the last seven words of the cross to this beloved disciple. But Peter and the others were in hiding, and Peter had even denied three times that he knew Jesus. We find this Peter being the main spokesman on the day of Pentecost and the healing of the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. He's now on fire for God and with a boldness and clarity that could only come about by the transformation work of the Holy Spirit. In only a few short weeks, there has been such a radical change in Peter that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, has declared or has cleared their entire calendar and have convened an emergency meeting to address these problematic disciples. At this time, Peter and John having been threatened to speak no longer in the name of Jesus by the Supreme Court upon their release, go do the very thing that they were told not to do. And then they ask for more boldness to do it. The first point that we want to consider today is the prayer to be effective in ministry in spite of the opposition. The prayer to be effective in ministry in spite of the opposition. As Peter and John were released from the Sanhedrin, they go right to their own people. They go back and begin to report all the things that took place and all the things that they said to them. What the religious leaders hoped to be a hindering effect actually helped to spurn on and to spur on the word of God. That which they hoped to be intimidating and a fear-employing tactic served to encourage the believers all the more. You see, when the enemy comes, he comes with the purpose of trying to shut you up. Close your mouth. Don't say anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not having any difficulties in your life, you need to take inventory if you're in the Word of God and if you've been spending time in prayer. If the enemy is not on your case, if the Sanhedrin has not called you to give a hearing to them, you need to take note. These men, after having performed this great miracle, they aroused the anger of this dormant group that had Take had, had gone to sleep basically after Jesus had died, thinking that our 
Hands are clean. Our work now is done. But with the healing of this man and the preaching of the word of God, they are again aroused because they hear once again the name of Jesus being proclaimed. These men are part of an unfolding part of history. They are part of an unfolding act of prophecy. The prayer that is offered by these believers is a prayer that actually comes from the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 2 is what they quote as they began to pray. Psalm 2 was a psalm of coronation for the Davidic king. Kings that would come into power, this was a prayer that was prayed over them. And this is what they prayed. It had two meanings, not only for the Davidic line, but also for the king of glory, Jesus Christ. It found its ultimate fulfillment in the Lord God Almighty. The great kings had come in defiance against the Lord and had taken counsel and had said, we're not going to surrender. And when you think about how foolish can people be to think that they can fight against God and win. Throughout history, there have been people. Sister Carol always helped me preach. <laughs> she, she, I don't care who she always helped. Pastor, she helped pastor preach. She know, and she knows what you're going to say before you say it. <laughs> She's been doing it for years. Right when she said it to the kid in the choir, she sat right there and preached a sermon right there. <laughs> when you consider that these, the, 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 in the psalm, chapter 2, when the kings gathered together and they took counsel, there was a meeting called together of the kings to come and defy God. They came together. In fact, let's look at a, first, a few ch- a verses. I wasn't planning to read it, but turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Now listen to this. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. He mocks. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion. My holy mountain. It is this prayer that the disciples and the believers that are gathered together pray. You see, remember, there was the New Testament. They are writing the New Testament as they go. And so they are reflecting back on the Old Testament and recognize that this passage here had actually been fulfilled with the Lord Jesus Christ when the religious leaders of the Sanhedrin gathered together, gathered the people together, and Pilate and Herod got together and said, what are we going to do about this Jesus? The Bible says that God laughs. Can you imagine? 
taking counsel against God and God laughing at you. You know that when laughter comes, judgment comes right after, right? <laughs> you, you know that when, when God takes a look at what you're doing and mocks you, that is not a good sign. That's not something that you want to take comfort in. It is not something that you want to say, God, I, I challenge you. And I can imagine that God just blinks his eye and you're gone. My dad used to say, God could just wish you away and you be gone. You cannot take counsel against God and come against him and think you're going to win. And yet, they thought that with Jesus off the scene, their problem had been solved. But no, the Sanhedrin have a problem. Because that same Peter that had run before is now more bold than ever. As I said, Peter would have been put out of some churches if he preached that sermon that he preached back on the day of Pentecost. If Peter had preached that word and then later as he's preaching to the people, he, he, he would have been put out of the church. But I tell you this. Peter has a boldness that could only have come because of the indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Sanhedrin let Peter and John go because they did not quite know what to do with them. They let them go because they feared the people. They feared the people. You see, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders were always looking for the praises of the people. And so the release of Peter and John was in part because the people were praising God because of the man that was healed at the gate called Beautiful. They, they couldn't deny that the healing had taken place because they saw the man right there with them when they questioned them. So after putting them out, as I said before, they took counsel together. What are we going to do? We can't deny that a great miracle has taken place. I tell you what we do. We'll just tell them, don't preach any longer in this name. Peter says, you judge for yourself. What you going to do? We'll tell you what. We're going to preach. We can't help but preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that after further threats, they let them go. And then they went straight to the believers. Now, the going to the believers served two purposes. One, it encouraged them. It encouraged the believers to continue on. It, they, they would take encouragement from the fact of what happened. They, they would say, look at what God is doing. So they took courage. Then it gave them some enlightenment as well. You see, the word of God will enlighten you. If you are picking up your Bible once a year, that's not enough. If you're picking up your Bible once a month, that's not enough. If you're picking up your Bible once a week, that's not enough. If you're not reading your Bible at all, that's dangerous. <laughs> you got to read daily the Word of God. 
How many of you don't think that you need a fresh anointing of God's spirit in your life every day? I told y'all two weeks ago that when I was following that person one day, fresh out of karate, I was wanting to use it on somebody. And I told y'all this. I told you that that car was put there just for me that day, going really slow. And I tell you, I got off the road because of traffic to go on around a shortcut. And the Lord placed a car in front of me that was very, very slow. And wherever I went, that car went. (laughs) I wanted to go. But I can imagine that if I had, now this was years ago now. I'm not talking about something recent. Years ago. (laughs) But I can imagine that if I had literally got into a fight, an altercation, that would not have been good. Because I tell you, some people didn't say, was that Pastor Marcus out there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wasn't faster then, but y'all know. But I got back in the car and was convicted. And the Lord has a way of showing you things when things are good and quiet. You see, sometimes God is not always speaking to you when there's a lot of noise. But, but when you, you get somewhere where it's quiet, the Holy Spirit says, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Your head go down, yeah, Lord, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, you were right. But they did this. You, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and I got, con- I was convicted. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you don't have a conviction when you've done something wrong, that means you're not sensitive to the move of the Spirit of God. Peter and John recognized that their healing, their power, their ministry, everything that God had placed in their life was because of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit, empowered them. Do you not know, as I said before, the primary reason of the coming of the Holy Spirit was to help those disciples and the followers of Christ to obey the Great Commission and to do it with boldness. That was the primary reason. He came to empower the church. Think about it. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says... They heard the word of God in all the different languages. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know something. We'll get to it in just a moment. I'll soon be through. It's the Holy Spirit that works in the lives of people that brings about the change. And it is evident that God is working through this group. And these believers, they go into prayer after having been threatened. Peter and John being threatened, they go into prayer and ask God to continue to do a work in their lives. There are some people who, who ask for healing, not in order to serve God better, but to go do what they want to do. The man that was healed... If it was some of us in that situation, we would have been asking for healing, but it wouldn't be to serve God better. When the disciples and the people prayed, they prayed that God would help them to serve better. If you're not improving in your life, if you're not moving further in the Lord, if you're not being more, if you're not being challenged more, 
What are you doing? You see, when people try to tell you that when a, when a person accepts the Lord, all your troubles is over, I, I, all your problems, no. Some people say, if, I, if, if serving the Lord was like this, I would have stayed in the world. That's a foolish thought. Because that's something that the enemy wants you to do. You see, when you get closer to the Lord, the enemy, his, his, his curiosity peaks. You, you see, when you begin to call on Jesus, the, the enemy takes notes. He says, I got another test for that person. Send it now. His job is to discourage you. If these believers had listened to the counsel of the Sanhedrin, and says, oh, we better not do it. We better not preach the word of God. We better not tell anybody what God is saying. If they did that, they would have had to contend with God. But, but you know, they said, no, we're going to do what the Lord has said. Note in verse 30 that the believers know that it is through the power of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4. Verse 30 says, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Which brings me to my second point, and that is prayer and the move of God. Prayer and the move of God. I was intrigued on Monday at prayer when Sister Lene came. And she, she came on her crutches. She's off of work for a couple of weeks, but came to prayer. And, and we, as we sat there, and Sister Essie was there, and Florence and Brother Larry was over there, she was in, in some turmoil and said, you know, I, I'm thinking about a career change. And I, I don't know just what to do. I'm, we haven't had a raise in three years, and, and, and I don't know what to do. And, I'm, and she was down in her spirit. And because we were all at Village last week, uh, we didn't make out a list. But what we did this week, we said we're going to do, we're just going to read the Word of God this week and just take a few requests down for, the, for, for those that were there. But our time was spent just reading the Word of God and taking those requests. Hers was one of the ones on, in fact, the first one, one of the first ones on the list. After we prayed, I didn't know anything until, was it Kevin, Wednesday? <laughs> I had a meeting in, in San Rafael, my job, and, and, and Brother Kevin happened to be there at this meeting because he's working on this case together. First time at, at this meeting. And, and so we sat and talked probably about another 30, 40 minutes afterwards. And then Brother Kevin says, told me, he mentioned, he said, oh, 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 I'm not supposed to say anything right now. I think I'm stealing the thunder. He says, what? Oh, my wife's sister Lene. I said, no, don't say any more. I want, I want to hear from her. Don't say any more. <laughs> I got a text that night saying that she got a call the very next day saying that she got a raise. Not only did she get a raise, but it confirmed in her that she's not supposed to now go anywhere. God says to her, that was it. Stay right here. Three years. 
She comes to prayer the very next day. Jim Guckian. Some of you know Ronnie's friend when Ronnie was out in the world doing wrong. <laughs> Him and Jim were not a good combination. Do not put those two together. Jim was sitting right over there not long ago. And Jim, Jim was just really fascinating. Jim should have been dead a long time ago, basically. The Lord, the Lord has spared Jim. But Jim had not seen his son or spoken to his son in five years. Five years. Hadn't heard from him. Hadn't spoken to him. And Jim is not one to say much, but that Sunday he says, I, I want to ask for prayer for my son, just to make contact. His name was put on the list. That night his son called him. <laughs> Jim called my dad shaking. Hardly able to talk. This prayer thing. It, 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 it works. It works. A <laughs> couple weeks after that, the son came to church with him. Not long after that, we had to have some work done. His son joined him for that. The sign that you see down there, Jim Guckey, and put the sign up for us down there. God has a way of doing something. I... I, I I'm a, I, I got to share this here. Just leave, leave my notes. I need to share this. 25 years ago, there was a 40-day prayer and consecration that was called right here in this church. Mary, you know about that. The church went in prayer for 40 days, about 25 years ago. Might have been 24. Nora was here. Mary, Warren, and many, many others. Barbara. And during that time, we said we would come to the church. I think it was nightly that we came to the church, Sister Carol. God moved in such miraculous ways during that 40 days, period. And even a, tra and, and a, and, and a tragedy happened during that time. It broke our hearts. Sister Barbara Berry lost her husband in an accident. But the prayer and, and the move of God was so powerful. I've never forgotten that. I asked the Lord, to God, I want to be a praying man. Seven years ago, the Lord had put on my heart to pray. I remember Brother Lee, Mother Rucker, Sister Adam, Mother Adams, Mother O.C., Brother Lee. Three days a week they used to come and pray for church at 12. Brother Lee used to go pick them up. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Brother James Lee could barely see over the steering wheel. And then he was leaning a little bit on top of that. I think he was looking between the steering wheel and the dashboard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
he's going to be with the Lord, you know. <laughs> Brother Lee used to go pick up the people and bring them. But I was intrigued by that. Years ago, the Lord had been prompted, you need to, need to be prayer at the church. Let it go, just let it go. Years. And one day I said, Dad, you know, I want to start. This, uh, the Lord promised to like to a 30-day period of prayer, 12 noon. I leave my job. It's okay. 30 days. We saw some things happening in that 30-day period. When the 30-day period was coming to an end, I was standing about right here. And the Lord spoke and said, it's to continue. His dad was sitting there, so Florence was there, but he said, it's to continue. That's been about seven years ago. We still have noon prayer, 12 to 1, every day. I can't be here, so Florence or somebody is here. But, but, but it is prayer that moves God. And when you think about the prayer that was offered by the disciples, their prayer was for boldness. And then the Bible says that in that place, when they prayed, that place was shaken. And then the Bible says again that everyone there was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a refilling of those in that, in that, meeting, in that meeting that day. A refilling. Probably new for some. But their prayer was for boldness to preach the word of God, that they were declared with boldness. God answered their prayer. You can't be a Christian and not be bold. In fact, when you think of one of the things that God does not like, it's cowardice. You know, being a coward is a sin. God requires boldness. I tell you this, I know there's going to be challenges that are going to come, that have already come. <laughs> but I'm convinced that with prayer, God's going to see us through. I'm convinced of that. I already know that God has shown me vision. God, got, God has plans for the church. I already know that. God has shown me. I don't do just things just like my dad, Pastor Small. <laughs> God has given me a vision. And I'm going to carry it out to my greatest ability. My goal is to see Jesus Christ's glory. That's my purpose. As I bring this message to an end, God has charged me, this congregation, to preach the word with boldness. For however long God gives, we're to be faithful to the task. From the radio to Sunday school to prayer to whatever, home wherever and wherever. We are not to back down. We're not to compromise the word of God. We're not to become politically correct. I'm going to preach the word of God whether they like it or they don't like it. On the outside, on the inside. 
I've got to answer to the Lord God Almighty. Today there's a great watering down of the Word of God. Today there is a de-emphasis on teaching the Word of God. Today there, there is an emphasis that just let everything just go along. No. I know that God was doing something in my life, and I didn't know just what he was doing. I didn't know at that time when my dad was, was coming to the end of his life. But I was getting calls and just all kind of things to go. Counsel. What is going on? Why is people calling me? All kind of things were taking place. And then it began, began to be clear, clearer what God was doing. There was a preparation that had already taken place, but it seemed to have just increased significantly at a certain point because God was about to move and there was about to be a transition. There are times when I just come to the church, I just sit, and I just think back over all the years of all the people that have come through, all the lives of ministry, just all the different things. I just sometimes just come and just sit and just to spend time alone with the Lord. You know, you can do some things and say some things when you're alone with the Lord that you just can't always do when you're around other people, you know. That's why it's good to have your own devotion. If you ain't got your own devotion, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. And I want to encourage you today that just like Peter and John and these believers said we won't give in, we won't cave, that we will be faithful to the charge that God has given us to be faithful to preach and teach the Word of God, to live holy before the Almighty. God's hand is on sin. God's judgment is on sin. And when one begins to look at their life, one of the things that's very, very clear is that God calls for separation for the church and the world. There has to be a separation. There has to be a distinction between us and the world. There's got to be so clear that your light is shining for the Lord, that there's no, no, no question about where you stand. Where you stand for the Lord. Bow your heads. All right. Today in this place, Lord, we thank you for your wonderful presence and spirit. We thank you for the privilege of being able to gather in this place. Thank you for all the friends and, the, and the, the members here. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to serve the Almighty and the congregation. And today, we are praying that you will take us to places that we've never gone before. Move us, Lord, into ministries where we've never moved or gone before. And I pray that we will be faithful to the call. We will love Christ. We'll love the Savior. And in all that happens, we pray that you get all the glory and all of the honor. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.